When you meet someone, do you wonder about their story? If you're like me, you're always interested in the lives, hopes, and dreams of people. Stories Connect People podcast will bring you interesting, inspiring, and compelling stories from people just like you and me. Stories that will inspire you. They'll make you laugh. You'll learn. They might even make you cry. But above all, you will feel connected and closer to the people around you. You may see yourself in these stories. You may feel connected because you share similarities in your own journey. There are rich, interesting stories closer than you think, maybe even yours. Thank you for listening to Stories Connect People. I am Polly Van Duzer, your host. My guest today on Stories Connect People podcast is Lori Orlinski. Lori is a multi-time, multi-award winning, nationally recognized author and CDC certified bully prevention expert. October is Bully Prevention Month, and this is the perfect time to bring Lori and Haley's story to you. Lori started her work when her daughter Haley came home from school upset. Haley was smaller than the other kids and was called names. Some that seemed endearing, but to Haley, they made her feel bad. When the teacher made a growth chart, her name was all the way at the bottom. The normally bright and happy Haley began to freeze. Lori went to the internet looking for a book to try to make Haley feel better about being small. When she didn't find one, she began to write one of her own and partnered with an amazing illustrator to share Haley's story. Lori also talks about how bullying starts as microaggressions and can quickly turn into bullying. She speaks at schools, conducts trainings, and helps bring awareness to children and parents. Haley joins the podcast to share how she felt and even reads a few of her favorite pages. You don't want to miss Haley sharing her story of how this has helped her find her voice and acceptance of being small. And also... During COVID, she had a goal to make some bracelets for the Chicago Children's Hospital and wanted to raise just $200 to help them buy masks. You won't believe how the story turned out. It absolutely exploded. Haley will share the story of how it led her to being recognized all over the media, being named Hero Beyond the Diamond, and even the mayor naming a day in her honor. Let's welcome Lori and Haley to Stories Connect People podcast. Hello, Lori. How are you today? Welcome to Stories Connect People podcast. I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. Yes. Well, I am so glad that we're talking today and we have so many great things to discuss. Um, Just a little bit about um, you. So you live in Chicago, right? And I want to hear a little bit about your background. But the reason we're connecting is because you have this uh, great uh, children's book that you are an author of and um, actually a couple books. So not only are you an author, but you're an award winning author, right? And so I can't wait to uh, hear a little bit about uh, some of the accolades that you've received around um, the work that you're doing. Um, But October is Bully Prevention Month. And this is such a great time for us to connect to help share with our listeners more about 
bully prevention and the work that you're doing. But um, you you authored a children's called Being Small Isn't So Bad After All. And so that's mainly what we want to talk about. But I know that you had a second book and then another one coming out soon. So maybe we can wrap up with that in terms of what's next. But um, we do have so many great things to talk about today. And I have a lot of questions for you around the work that you're doing. But um, maybe just start by sharing a little about you, um, maybe what what got you to the point of the work that you're doing today, and then we'll start talking about the book and some of the work that you're doing um, and how meaningful that is. Sure. Um, my background is in journalism. I always wanted to write a book. I went to Indiana University School of Journalism, and you know, I never, I didn't make it happen until the time I was 35. I fell into marketing, and I just wrote that way. And I've always been a freelancer. And it wasn't until my daughter, her name is Haley. She is now seven. But when she was three years old, she came home from school one day and she was just in tears. And I found out that her teachers had hung a growth chart on the wall. They were redecorating the classroom and all her friends' names were at the top and the middle of the growth chart. And her name was all the way at the bottom. And To her, not only is it the first time that she realized she was different from her peers, they realized that she was different too. And when you're young, you're conditioned to think that the best things are the best, you know, you always want to be at the top. And so when she came into that classroom and saw her name at the bottom, she quote unquote, felt like she was the worst. And it was, it was an interesting moment for me as a mom, because I watched my outgoing child And I started to notice that she was freezing her personality. You know, this really impacted her. So the first thing I did was I said, let's go on Amazon and try and find a book about short kids. And I figured, let me read it to her. And hopefully the messages will resonate with her. And to my surprise, there were no books about short kids. And not only that, there were books about superheroes like Elastigirl that save the day precisely because they're tall. And so this was an opportunity for me to kind of create something that not only I can use for my daughter, but other parents can use if they were in this situation. And so that's how my first book, Being Small Isn't So Bad After All, was born. I love that. And it's something that as a young person, I mean, all the way up to, you know, to, you know, older uh, children, they they get teased about stuff. And so when I was in school, and I'm just really curious to as your thoughts on this, and, you know, as we're talking about uh, bullying, so, you know, it's like teasing, kidding. And so where do you draw the line? Are there things like this that probably the teacher didn't even realize that it was an issue? And how, how can we help with education of that? Because it's, it's like the teacher, you know, probably didn't even realize that it would that it would create this, um, you know, just a uh, feeling of kids at the top and kids at the bottom. But and, and as we talked when we were uh, connecting um, uh, for the podcast, I mean, you could really insert tall kids, different kids. You know, my sister and I, we have red hair and we grew up and we got teased all the time. What takes it from teasing, joking, it playing around to bullying? 
Well, I think at that age, it was really what they call a microaggression. So it's not full-blown bullying, but it has the potential to become that if a child doesn't speak up. That is such a good point. And I think what makes it full-blown bullying is when when a child makes it known either to a parent, to a teacher, or to the aggressor that it's unwanted. And in my daughter's situation, it was unique because her name is Haley, and they would call her Peanut and Shorty. And she would tell me and she would tell the teachers, my name is Haley, I want to be called that. And so at that point, you know, you have to, kids have to see that they have perspective on their, they need to see the perspective on the power of their words. They might think, of course, they're being sweet and sent, you know, by calling her these nicknames, but she didn't like it. It's like, you know, when you're a tall person, sometimes you'll, you'll rest your arm on a shorter person's shoulder. And it's not, you know, sometimes I'm sure people think it's cute. Haley did not like it. And me, myself being one, I don't like it either. And I think it's finding our own voice. And I think the book helped Haley find her voice and it empowered her and hopefully it empowers others to not only look at their differences as special, but be able to speak up for themselves and give themselves a voice. I love that, that you helped her, you know, find a, a voice for how she's different, but how she wants to be treated by others. And so uh, I'm just curious, as as the book unfolded, what was Haley's role in that? Did you all talk about it? Did you write it and test it with her? Um, I did. She was my best editor. <laughs> And I needed a <laughs> thick skin for her because while a normal editor, and I say normal in quotes, well, a normal other editor might say, hey, I think you should use these words. Haley would flat out stick her thumbs down. If she didn't like something, she would like boo it. And how good is that I was writing for her age group. So if I had a word, I think I tried to use the word balance. And she's like, what does that mean? And I thought, oh, yeah, kids don't know what some of these words means. Let me dumb it down a little to be on a child's because when you're reading, you're writing, you're automatically writing at that higher level. But she was the perfect audience. And I actually tested the book for a lot of Haley's friends too. I had every time they came over, I'm like, all right, guys, you're going to listen to my book. And they're like, what's in it for me? Free snacks. Come on, listen to my book and give me your feedback. So I had a lot of feedback from Haley's Haley and her friends. Um, but Haley was for better or worse, brutally honest with me. And we all need that, right? So. <laughs> We all knew that. And she would tell me, mom, no, it's not. That's not the situation I said. It's that when I stand, I can't reach this or I can't reach that. And she would, I would dig really deep and ask her, well, how does that make you feel? And she'd be able to illustrate um, some of those, even some of those painful moments to me. But it now looking back, I'm glad that she was so articulate at that age. So tell me about illustrating the book. Um, I've seen a little bit online, the the illustrations, I think, are, are, you know, the kids all look a little bit unique. And I don't know, it's just, they're just really awesome illustrations. So maybe talk a little bit about that as well. Thank you for noticing that. I, of course, of course. Early on, my publisher mascot books paired me. Well, they gave me the option to find a couple illustrators that I'd liked. And then from there, I was able to pick and have them test sketch. So each illustrator, I think I picked two that I really liked. And I said, I'm, I'm certain one of these are going to do a great job, if not both. And they both sketched out one scene in the book. And one was good. And the other like blew me away. Like I took a step backwards. And that's who I went with, Vanessa Alexandri. She actually, um, it, I just, I adore her. She lives in Brazil. 
um, after writing the first book, I've been able to connect with her on Instagram and we've done some social collaborations before. She's also illustrated my second and third book. And she is just, she's the into my, she's the other half. And I can't imagine writing a book without her illustrating it because she's able to capture my, what I do so vividly. And a lot of times as an author, when you're sending something to an illustrator, they ask you to put illustration notes in there. Um, you know, saying, what I'm envisioning. I'm envisioning this scene to have high shelves and this one to have a school classroom. And I don't like that because I think it limits an illustrator's creativity. So I purposely left it blank and left it open to interpretation. And I'm so glad I did that because I didn't want to limit her. And she came back and just nailed it every time. And I sent her some pictures of my daughter, Haley. I sent her some pictures of the classroom. There's one spread that has the whole classroom in it. It says Mr. Doug's classroom with actual the kids' actual names on the chairs because I wanted it to freeze a moment in time. And she did such a great job. And it was funny. So what? So did that represent her class and her teacher? It did. And when Mr. Doug read the book to the actual class, I mean, he got chills because he was reading the book with a picture of his classroom to the kids that are depicted in the book and the, the classroom looked exactly like it did. And so it was important to us to, to do some of those things that made it authentic. That is just incredible. I absolutely love that. And I'm so glad that you shared that. And, and I, I want to get to um, talking about bully prevention, but I'm just, I have another question about, about the book. Um, so what does it even take? So you have this idea. So you did some research. You didn't find what you were looking for in terms of a book. And so you said, you know, I'm going to I'm going to write this myself. And then what? Because it seems it seems like that would be a massive undertaking to find a, you know, a publisher and all of that. So just real quickly, maybe talk about um, what that work looked like. I'm just fascinated by it. Definitely. So what it looked like is I would write it every day. I mean, I I would be at gymnastics class with my kids and I would have post-it notes or I would sometimes like just write it on my hand or write it on anything I can find. I would just keep writing stanzas. I like to write in rhyme because I think it keeps kids engaged. It's good for their stimulation and imagination because they can anticipate what's next. And so I'm constantly, then I became talking in rhyme. I'm like talking to my husband in rhyme and he's like, okay, that's enough. Um, But once I had it written, um, I then wrote a query letter, which is a letter that you send to either um, publishing agents or publishing houses to say, this is my book. This is the topic. This is how many words it is. I hope you'll accept it. And I wrote about 200, wrote and sent about 200 query letters and I got 199 rejections. But I got one publisher that said, yes, we love it. And you only need one, right? You only need one. And I kept thinking to myself, I know my book is good, but maybe it's not good enough. And the feedback that I got was was not negative. It was just, this isn't the right fit for me at the right time, or this isn't my forte. And there were so many times I was like, just wanted to throw in the towel And maybe this is just a poem. Maybe this is just a project for my daughter. And I just kept with it. And, you know, that one yes was from Mascot Books and it changed my life. I don't even know how, like, I can't rhyme. If if you gave me $50 here, I probably couldn't come up with a good rhyme. How do you do that? You know, 
I don't know. It's one of those things. I, I, I actually think rhyming books are easier than non-rhyming books. And people that write non-rhyming books will say the opposite. Um, I think rhyming books are easier because the rhymes are simple for the kids and it's just fun and it kind of, you get a beat, but um, but um, bump. And when you get, you keep going. I've also just read so many children's books having two young kids that I knew I liked rhyme. And so I definitely use the thesaurus a lot. I definitely were, was Googling what word rhymes with school, what word rhymes with yellow. Like <laughs> I was doing a lot of Googling um, and you'll be surprised what you can come up with. And there were a lot of times where I couldn't find a rhyme. So I would just completely change the, the um, change the segments, change the stanza over there. Do you have the book in front of you? I don't Well, I was going to ask if you could read a page or two. Maybe Haley could read the page or two. <laughs> sure, sure. Sounds good. Um, you want to read this page, Haley? So, hello, Haley. Hi. Hi, Haley. How are you? Good. How are you? So, I am the host of Stories Connect People podcast, and... My podcast is all about people that are doing great things in their community or in the world to make it a better place. And I am interviewing your mommy for the great work that she has done with the book. And I know that you have been a huge part of that. And um, so I'm really excited to be able to talk to you on the podcast as well. Could you just maybe um, talk for a minute or two and introduce yourself to our listeners? So my name is Haley Olinsky, and when I was three years old and I was in preschool, my teachers have had a growth chart, and all my friends' names were at the top in the middle of the growth chart, and my name was all the way at the bottom. I know, and how did that make you feel? It made me feel really upset. It did? And so you came home and talked to your mommy, and she, like, immediately got into mommy mode, and and started to develop a book uh, that uh, really told your story, right? And so how did that feel? It sounds like you were a really big part of that. Well, um, what do you think about reading a page or two out of your book? Would you uh, want to do that? Yeah. Okay, that sounds great. I'll, I'll pick one of my favorite pages. Okay. Okay, so the first part of the book deals with the child telling their mom all the things that they can't do because they're small. So I'll set this up for Haley and she can read one page from here. And then the second half of the book deals with the mom telling the child the things that they can do because they're small. So let's first do where the child is sad. Well, the yardstick at school measures how much we've grown. But with my name at the bottom, I feel so alone. My friends can read the copies, like strikes and sinks. When I stand at a store when I want a drink. So she's saying in there, all her friends can reach the cubbies, the light switch and sink. And she has to stand. She's the only one in class that has to stand on a little stool. And it's true. They had a little stool that they would call the Haley stool. And the teachers tried to make her feel good about having it. But she was did never wanted to use a water fountain or get anything from her cubby because she didn't want to draw attention to it. And here is her favorite part. So this is when she helped me come up with. So when the mom is talking about the things she can do, here's what she says. 
you last want to get wet when it rains. And you get the most leg room when you fly on the plane. And your feet never touch the end of the bed. You can climb almost anywhere without bumping your head. <laughs> That's so great. Haley, you are an amazing little girl. And so thank you for being part of the podcast. I can't wait for you to listen back to it. And actually, one interesting anecdote is that we went to a water park over the weekend and the dreaded time came. It's like we always have a pit in our throat when this happens, when we're entering somewhere and we see you must be this tall to go on this. And so Haley's like, you know, she takes a deep breath and she's like, okay, I know I'm not going to go on the slide, but she has to, I almost envision it to like being naked where you're in a bathroom and you have to open up and kind of show your flaws. And so she gets in front of this uh, ruler and they tell her you can't ride any of the fast slides. And she's like, that's okay. I can do the other things. And normally, you know, this, this were five years ago, she would have just been devastated. But I think Haley's come to realize that there are certain things that make her special. And, you know, we try not to let moments like those, you know, riding rides get in the way of our fun. And she got to still have a great time, right? Yep. And Haley has you are not like anyone else, Haley. So you are unique and you just embrace that. And Haley has a younger sister and her younger sister is also very, very short. And she said, that's okay if I'm small. That's great. And you're going to be a great um, mentor to your younger sister. And so she's going to really look up to you. Mm, yeah. Stay tuned for more from Haley in a few minutes. She will share how a little bracelet project she started just to raise $200 for masks for the Chicago Children's Hospital turned into something no one would possibly have anticipated. We will hear her story soon. So why don't we um, start talking about the work that you're doing around bully um, prevention? And, um, you know, we um, mentioned it earlier that kids tease and, and, you know, they're playing around and things like that, but um, that can quickly turn to meanness and making people, you know, feel so belittled and, um, you know, the, the teasing, how you make someone else feel. I mean, your intentions might be okay, but how you make someone else feel is, is really what it's all about. And so um, talk about the work that you're doing. So you're a certified bully prevention um, expert and you do training in bully prevention. Um, is that right? Yes, I got certified. And, and initially when I was writing the book, it was just to, to be a service for any parent who was in my situation and thought their kids might be self-conscious about being short. They'd Google a book and that would be that. And as I was writing it and as other people were reading it, I thought I could be onto something because you can take the word short out, as you mentioned, and you can sub it for any difference. And so I received certification from the CDC in bullying prevention and response training because I'm constantly doing, well, now virtually, but prior to COVID, I was doing author visits and I would go into schools. And of course, I would want to read the book, but then have a discussion with kids. And I felt like I needed more of the tools and support. Um, to have these discussions. And so I'm also an ambassador for the National Bullying Prevention Center. I work with them and I distribute collateral for them. And my book is um, one of the books that's one of a, a resource for children in the picture book category. And I talk to children about, it's not really sitting down and lecturing kids about bullying because I think that that's the wrong way to do it. 
I love books because books naturally lead to a discussion about whatever the topic is. It's like a hidden benefit. So what I'll say to kids is, so tell me about the girl in the book. Why was she sad? What could her friends have done that made her upset? What would you do if you were in that situation? And it's just comprehension questions and talking to the kids and then ultimately telling them, you know, you should talk to your mom, depending on the age group. But most of the kids that I speak to are young. And saying, you know, you should make sure you're always communicating with your mom, your dad, your your aunt, your uncle, your teachers. Make sure you're telling them how things are going at school. And if something doesn't feel right to you, you have to raise your hand and you have to say, I feel bullied. Because the bully word, you know, carries a lot of weight. And I show them, I say, Haley's an example of a child who is very outgoing and she's, you know, a very happy kid, but she could have you know, froze. I talk a lot about fight, flight, and freeze and standing up for ourselves in a way that feels comfortable, both mentally and physically. And first and foremost, obviously making sure kids know if they ever feel physically threatened to definitely report that behavior to an adult. And there's so many free tools and resources out there. And I think there's not one general one size fits all bullying approach. Every child is different, but as general rules of thumb, I think parents need to keep those lines of communication open so they can have so their child feels comfortable telling them I'm having a problem at school. Absolutely. The parents are uh, such an incredible uh, part of the of the formula for that in helping and helping the children. Um, so when I was in school and I'm uh, 47. So I've been out of high school. And that's really, you know, a lot of times where, where, you know, middle school, high school, where a lot of the bullying takes place. So we didn't even have the word bullying. Do you happen to know, like, how did the word even come about? I mean, of course, the word has been around, but coined in this way. Uh, what, what was, th- was there, there was there a particular, maybe I just don't know, a particular thing that led to the word bullying and the bully movement um, being so, and now like bully prevention month and things like that. Uh, is there any particular event or instance that led to that? Do you know? I think it has to do, sadly, a lot with school shootings. You know, as you and I were both growing up, school shootings became much more right. prevalent. And I think Columbine was maybe the first time that people started to connect the dots between aggression, bullying, and being dangerous. And that's really when we started to put an emphasis as a society on bullying. And then you see, you know, to the opposite side, victims. I mean, bullying victims are taking their own lives. And it's, you know, it's, it's more it's more common now, I think, than when you and I were growing up. And now when you say, I am being bullied, it carries so much more weight. I mean, every school has a handbook policy on bullying. Not only that, they have handbook policies on cyberbullying, things that we didn't have when we were growing up, especially I would also equate it to the use of technology. I mean, as technology has increased, the ability for somebody to get bullied now comes in their room. It comes with them as they're carrying their phone, as they're on their computer and different apps. So I think it's just as the world has changed, it's become a more talked about. It's it's less of a stigma also to say I'm bullied. And I think it's a good thing that it's less of a stigma because it means people are speaking up against it. And you're also seeing celebrities, some of them come out and say, I was bullied. And that's, I applaud them for that because we need people as examples to show kids that they're not alone. And unfortunately, it happens to many people, but that doesn't mean that you did anything right. to deserve it. I can't even imagine if we had 
the Facebook and Instagram and all of those when I was in school. I mean, we were teased about our hair and that we were skinny and kids ask us if we were from Ethiopia and we were poor. So our, we were teased about our clothes and <laughs> just, I, I can't even imagine, you know, that, um, how they keep up on the, you know, for young people, the keeping up on the social media and just, you know, the whole presence on social media and all of that is so, so hard. And it's such a hard, uh, you know, feel like that they have to measure up to everyone else. And also, you know, think about bullying in 2020 with everything that's going on. There's bullying because you're wearing a mask. There's bullying because you're not wearing a mask. There's bullying because you're Asian and people think that you carry coronavirus. Exactly. Or because you wear Black Lives Matter shirts or because you don't wear Black Lives Matter shirts. I mean, it's all kinds of bullying and 2020 kind of took it and flipped it all on its head. So you were talking about that you go into schools and um, and you do the um, education, I guess, with the with the administration, and you talk. It sounds like you talk to the students directly in a lot of cases. What other opportunities has this work presented for you? I think, in general, this this work made me realize this was my calling. Um, I love doing what I'm doing, and I never would have written a book had I not been faced with this situation. I always would have wanted to, and maybe I would have gotten it to it one day, but this kind of told me this is what I needed to be doing. And so after I wrote Being Small, I was fortunate enough to win a lot of accolades for it. And I just thought to myself, I really want to write another lesson-based story. And so I want to hear about that. So why don't you talk about that? That is just equally as interesting. But thank you. I noticed that my kids were starting to tell white lies and they weren't harmful, but I wanted to be able to teach them a lesson about fibbing, as you would call it, without, again, without sitting them down and saying, we need to talk about lying. And I thought to myself, who do kids love and who would be best to teach the kids a lesson? And so my second book came out in 2020 in uh, January, and it's called The Tooth Fairy's Tummy Ache. And that book is about a little girl. She is named Ellie, just like my own daughter is named Ellie. And her, she loses her first tooth. She's chewing on an apple, but she swallows it. And so she at home decides, well, the tooth fairy is never going to come visit if she can't take a tooth. So she's thinking, what could she do? So she puts a kernel of popcorn under her pillow because she thinks, you know, let me just trick the tooth fairy. So the tooth fairy takes the kernel of popcorn, leaves her her silver dollar, and all kinds of crazy stuff start happening. It starts the popcorn starts popping everywhere. Everybody's eating it, and then the tooth fairy is sick in bed. And the end result is that the tooth fairy comes back and tells the little girl, um, "We need to be honest and always tell the truth. You should have just told me that you swallowed your tooth." And so the tooth fairy says, "I would have just." still left you something, you could have written me a letter. And so next time do that, like, just be honest. And it, it's, it works out the best. And um, so I really liked it. And then one thing I did in this book is, wow, I feel like when we talk about tooth fairies, people think they're only for girls. And I wanted to depict boy tooth fairies. And so I actually did, I put some boy tooth fairies in the book, just to be able to show that tooth fairies are not just for girls. Tooth fairies aren't all blonde and white. They're they're all different and they're diverse. And so that was important for me because I wanted the book, the lessons in the book and the book to appeal to kids of all 
races, kids of all ages, kids of all genders. So this book is now out as well. Is that right? And so what has been the reaction? Well, it was, it's tough, you know, releasing a book in 2020. All you have to do is say 2020 and people get it. Um, But it's been great. Initially, all of my school visits and library visits um, started off really well. And then everything changed to virtual. So I've been doing a lot of virtual visits, a lot of virtual story times. And it's been fun. Um, My book is in a lot of both of my books are in a lot of libraries, because now that libraries, many of them are doing curbside pickup, kids are looking for things to fill their time now that they're not going out, you know, to, it depends where you are living, but for the most part, kids aren't going out like they used to on the weekends with their families and they're not going to amusement parks. They're not going to zoos. So it's more important than ever for me to be able to have my books in the library. So when a family takes a trip on a weekend, they can pick up my book and read it and do that together as a family. My friend Mila had a little girl. Let's see. She's a little over a year, uh, about 18 months old. And I'm going to get both of your books for little Charlie. So when Mila listens to the podcast, she'll be surprised. (laughs) Um, That's great. So um, what else is on the horizon for you? And um, is there anything that maybe you haven't done yet that now you have this desire to do? Well, um, I, you know, I've been, I've been loving writing books and I write them out of my own. I like to write out of my own experiences. And um, a, a couple of years ago, we had a cat tiger and she passed away. She was 18. And I said, you know, to my kids, let's do a balloon release for the cat because I wanted to find a tangible way to connect with what was happening. And so they released the balloons. And then I thought that was the end of it. Let's close the conversation because I didn't know how to talk about death of a pet and to young kids to cope. And the kids every day would ask me where the balloons are. Do you think that an astronaut saw them? And so I, again, found myself in the same situation where I was looking for a book about pet loss, and I did not find one that suited our family. I wasn't looking for a book that would be uh, religious or spiritual. I wanted just more of an imaginative look. And so I have a book coming out in May, which is National Pet Month, so May 2021, and the book is called Balloons for Tiger, and it is a book about the journey of these balloons. And so you know, you find out early on the girls are doing the balloon release, literally just like my girls did. And it's about where the balloons go. They fly over our home. They go to Rome. They um, they see a stork delivering a baby. I mean, they see all these cool things. And ultimately, these balloons make it to see the cat who then sends down a beautiful rainbow for the kids to say, you know, I see you. Thank you. I love you. And it's a really special book, um, a way to help kids with with loss. Well, I mean, incredible creativity that you have. Do you uh, do any other writing or is all of your efforts now focused on uh, on the books and the work that you're doing around that and bully prevention? So I also, um, I am a full-time marketing director and I also do some freelancing for magazines. Um, I've been writing for Chicago Parent, which is in my hometown for a number of years. And I love that. Um, a lot of times because they let me tell my own stories about my own family and my own kids. And writing is so therapeutic to me. Uh, I'd like to write more books, but I don't want to just sit and think like, what can I write a book about? For me, it needs to just come to me naturally based on something that I'm dealing with. 
Yeah, and just uh, I can imagine that kind of organically coming up uh, feels pretty amazing too. It, it, you know, I love all my books, but um, the third one, Balloons for Tiger, it happens to be my favorite because I struggled so much with talking about these balloons and talking about death, and I didn't want to scar my kids, and so. I think this is a good, and I've sent it to some, I have a friend whose daughter was devastated because her guinea pig, Sir Nibbles died. And so she read them. I gave her my draft and she read this book. And now, you know, the kids did a balloon release for Sir Nibbles and they found out, you know, they're talking about where the balloons go. And my friend told me it was therapeutic for her kids. And so that means a lot to me because it's, people are resonating. The messages are resonating with the, with people that are intended to. No, that's beautiful work. Thank you. Well, um, is there anything else that maybe we didn't talk about that you want to share with our listeners about you or the work that you're doing? I, um, one thing I can also mention, um, my, I have a friend, another award-winning author. Her name is Allison Bork. She's the creator of the Alicat series. And we love to talk about our books and to promote our books and to keep the shelf life of a book alive. The shelf life of a traditional book is only three to six months. And so we decided we have so many, get so many questions from authors that we decided we would start our own publicity firm. And so our firm is called Forward Publicity, like a forward in a book. And we work with authors, specifically children's book authors, to help them customize a plan to keep their books, their shelf life, you know, to lengthen their shelf life and to make sure they get in front of the right audiences. So, because as an author, it's so hard to promote your work. There's so many avenues and it's explore, it's finding out what the right ones are. And so we are excited that this is a new venture for us and it's um, forward publicity. Well, that's really cool. I'll link to that in the show notes as Before we wrap up with Lori, let's hear back from Haley. I told you about this great project that she started and it exploded. So let's hear from Haley. So Haley, your mom shared with me some great work that you um, have been doing in your community making bracelets. And so um, what she shared with me is that, you know, going through this um, kind of traumatic experience that you did, that it has given you this an incredible empathy for others. And so can you tell our listeners a little bit about your story and how this idea even came about and what happened when you started making these bracelets? So... When, when this all started, my mom watches the news a lot, and I've overheard that the doctors and nurses are running out of masks for the doc- for them that are treating people with coronavirus. Okay, so they were running out of masks, and so Haley to the rescue. So what did you do? I stopped. I wanted to make these bracelets and I really, and I really wanted them. I really wanted to donate the money to Lurie Children's Hospital. You started making the bracelets and so did anybody buy them? A few people bought them and I, we got a goal. My original goal was $200. Okay, so your goal was $200 and you posted it on Facebook and everything and your mom tells me it blew up. What happened? Now I've raised over $19,000. You have raised $19,000 from this bracelet sale where you were trying to help the local hospital there. So 
I mean, have people responded? What has the response been? A lot of people have said, since I'm making bracelets, the bright colors, they love the bright colors. They look down to them in in a dark time. Oh, that's really special. So they're wearing them and you're making them feel better. So your mom said that the hospital was able to do something really special with the funds that you um, earned uh, what, or that you donated. What did they buy with those? They bought ventilators. So the funds that you raised, now how old are you? Seven. Uh, the funds that you raised as a seven-year-old making bracelets allowed the hospital to be able to buy a ventilator. I mean, how crazy awesome is that? It's really cool. And Haley also has some VIP customers. She's got a lot of customers in Chicago, but do you want to tell Polly who your VIP customers are? Lori Lightfoot. She's the mayor of Chicago. The mayor of Chicago is a VIP customer. Your mom said that you did something at the, uh, uh, I don't even know what the word for it is. They... Um, they made a Haley Day. Tell me about that. Um, I'm a White Sox fan, so <laughs> the White Sox announcer Jason Benetti, he na- he made this like thing, and he named me the hero beyond the diamond. The hero beyond the diamond. That's so incredible. And then there was a really, really long, like a seven-hour board meeting in Chicago. But they passed a resolution. And what what day did they call in July? They called it one special day. Haley Orlinski Day. You have a day after you in Chicago. Haley Orlinski Day. That is incredible. Well, I'll tell you, I don't know anyone that has raised money like you have for the work that you're doing. I don't know anybody that has a day named after them. I mean, you were just really doing amazing things at such a young age. I can't imagine just what um, life has in store for you. Just keep up your incredible spirit and the love that you have for others. It's going to take you a long, long way. You know, there was a time where we had thousands of bracelet orders and I would wake her up at six o'clock in the morning and she would be making bracelets all day. And finally, her teacher said to me, you know what? I have the approval that if Haley can't do some of her schoolwork, that's okay because she's doing something far more important than we can teach her. But she ended up doing her schoolwork. She's a really good student, but it was nice to be recognized like that by her teacher. And um, there was one point where she got charms. And she was really excited because her teacher's name was Miss B, like a bumblebee. And she made Miss B a bracelet with bumblebee charms. That's just so great. Well, I love the work that you're doing. Well, I have something that's really special that I always send to people that are special in my life. And... They're these little smiles. I did a podcast with the founder of Seeds of Happiness, and they're made in Kirkwood, Missouri. And Haley, I am going to send you and your mom a smile, and you can put it next to your bed. How about that? Thank you. And what did you want to send Polly? I wanted to send her a bracelet. Well, I will take a picture wearing it and send it to you. Haley, thank you for, again, for being part of the podcast and sharing your story. And I would not have wanted to miss this part of um, the story and and the, the work that you and your mom are doing for anything in the world. So it's super, super special. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Um, so if, if our listeners wanted to connect with you or purchase one of your books or learn more about the work that you're doing, um, share how they would do that. The best way to connect with me, my social handles on Facebook and Instagram are at 
Lori Orlinsky author, and it's O-R-L-I-N-S-K-Y. My website is lauriorlinskyauthor.com, and my books are available on Amazon. And I'll connect to all of this in the show notes. Oh, thank you. Lori, thank you so much for your time today and Haley and sharing the great uh, work that you're doing for young people and um, just for, you know, educators and parents and helping them to get the message out about things like bullying and and pet loss and fibbing. Um, the work that you're doing is really great. And I really appreciate you being on Stories Connect People podcast. Thank you. It has been such a joy and it's been so wonderful to talk to you. I feel like you're somebody I've known forever. So it's such a natural (laughs) conversation. Thank you so much for saying that. You have no idea how much that means to me. Thank you so much. Lori, thank you again. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Stories Connect People podcast. If you enjoyed this, please subscribe, listen, rate, or share with others. I look forward to being with you next time on Stories Connect People podcast.